welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the podcast. Rick Roberts here, and today I've got a great, fun, and insightful conversation with comedian, speaker, author Tracy DeGraff. Not only is she going to talk to us about how she took her book and turned it into a comedy act, but she's going to talk to us about how we can reverse engineer our events to see what we really need to do up front to get the results we need. She's producing her own comedy special, her second one coming up, and she talks uh, very insightfully about what she's learning as she goes through the process. You know, the holiday seasons are right around the corner. And if you're looking for a gift to give or receive, I'm trying to help you out, folks. Right now, the silver edition of the online comedy writing class is on sale. That's right, only $49. That's almost 50% off. $97.77 is the normal price right now, $49. If you use coupon code FASTFUN22 at checkout. For links, go to the show notes for this episode or to the schooloflast.com website. Go to Next Classes and click on Online Comedy Class. You'll see the coupon there as well. This is a fun class. It's very insightful. You'll learn techniques on making your jokes funnier. You'll learn how to edit your jokes down so they're more clear. And you'll learn how to put a set together, the structure of a set, so that you get the best bang for your comedy. You know, a lot of times you can have great jokes, but if they're not in the right order, boom, set's not as good. I'll teach you how to do that. Again, you can go to schooloflast.com. Click on online comedy classes under the next classes link, and you'll find the coupon code right there. It's a limited time offer, so jump on it now before it's too late. All right, now let's get on with this interview with Tracy DeGraff, brought to you by Patreon sponsor, Max Winfrey. Well, I am here with Tracy Graph in between shows at the wonderful Mount St. Joseph's University. How about this little hidden gem? I love it. It's beautiful. Delhi, Ohio, just uh, west of Cincinnati, yeah. along the riverfront, fall, beautiful weather, sweet audiences. It's gorgeous. Can't <laughs> hardly beat it. So I thought I would take the opportunity to grab her, bring her over here, and now that I've got to see her show, I'm like, oh, that's what she does. Because, yeah, you right. know, I'm at the point, and you are too, where we probably don't work with a lot of other comics. Right. So it's fun to be on a show with somebody else. It is. And then I also know that you're great at marketing and kind of promoting yourself. And that's something that all comics need to do better. Yep. And if we're going to do things differently next year, it has to start with some change. You can't expect to do better just automatically. Well, you can't keep doing the same thing that you've been doing and expect different results. If you keep on right? doing what you always did, you're going to keep on getting what you always got. <laughs> that's right. And if you ain't getting nothing, then you ain't getting nothing again. Nope. <laughs> so we'll talk a little bit about that. But yeah. I, I'm curious... How far back did you start doing comedy? Did you do a little bit of speaking first and it became funnier? Or was it comedy and speaking? Tell me you have it through. None of the above. I actually started with writing a book. So I wrote my book first. And my book is funny. And because I was going to be a writer from the time I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to be a writer. And I got my degree in journalism and I graduated from college. And I was like, I'm going to be a writer. But then I met my husband. And we had our kids in the first 11 years of our marriage, and I could not be a writer. We had five boys. Oh, yeah. You're not. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're cleaning not writing off the wall. You're not, <laughs> you're, yes. you're not even adding to that it. That is so true. <laughs> and I couldn't string two words together, so my dream was put on the back burner for 20 years. And when I turned 40, I 
decided that's it i'm going to write this book i I knew i had a book in me Mm -hmm. and i thought i was going to write a fiction book because jk rowling was popular and i'm like if she's got ideas i've got ideas i can do it but that didn't work out it turns out writing fiction is hard it's harder than actual nonfiction. Yeah. I so see. I just wrote about my own life. I wrote about raising five kids and it was funny. I hired a marketing coach to walk me through the process of getting the book out of my head mm. and into book form. He's the one who said he read the manuscript and he said, this is funny. If you could put this on stage in the form of stand-up comedy, you would have something really special. So I hung up with him and I called the second city in Chicago and I took their class. I'm like, I am crazy. Who does that? Who does that in their middle forties? Go, I'm having a midlife crisis. I think I'll go do comedy. Yeah. Well, at least you can just pretend to be the different voices in your head in front of people who are doing the same thing. But so second city had a standup class. They did. They had just started doing a standup class. I didn't know anything about comedy or improv or sketch or any of it. I just knew that I had heard of the second city. So I called them up. I'm like, you're the experts. You tell me. And they had just started teaching standup. So I took their class. That's cool. Do you yeah. remember who the instructor was? Dan Telfer. Dan Telfer. Dan Telfer. And one day, years after I took his class, his mother came to one of my shows. And she was like, my son was your stand-up teacher. I'm like, oh, yeah. That's cool. Good old Dan. Yep. That's great. So you, when you started doing the stand-up and taking the class, were you trying to – I'm sure you did a little bit of both, but create new material but take some of the stuff from the book and make it even funnier for the stage? Or what was – complimentary to each other well i was taking everything from the book i was trying to put the book on stage Mm -hmm. that was my goal was to take the stories from my book and extract the funny part and put it into the structure of stand-up which is hard yeah because i i can tell stories but i don't need all of those details you know to to make it you just absolutely funny right Yes. It's tough. Well, you know, I have a lot of people who want to be storytellers and they want to add comedy to it. And some people have you know, written books or songwriters yeah. that take the classes and they're like, what's the big difference? And I always say the easiest way for me to explain it, and it's not 100% true, but a story has a beginning, middle and end, right. usually a backstory. And then it leaves you thinking about what's coming ahead. And a joke just has a beginning and an end. Yeah. And if you put the middle part in there, they forget what the setup was and the punchline doesn't land. So you're kind of cutting out a big chunk. Yeah. You have to find out. What services the punchline? That's right. the only thing that needs to be in front of it, which is a lot of editing That's after you've tough. created a whole book, multi-chapter right. book, you know, hundreds of pages, and you're like, i got to get this thing down to where it's, you know, every 15, 20 seconds, it's landing somewhere. Yeah, it's, it, it was and continues to be difficult for me to do that. But in the beginning, after I took the stand-up class with Dan, then I met um, a comedian from the Second City. And I was coached by him for a couple of years. We became good friends. He wanted to write a book and I wanted to do stand-up. So we just sort of shared each other's services, mm-hmm. you know, and became great friends. And so that helped a lot. Did he get his book out yet? No. Oh, but, come on. You're doing stand-up and he's not holding up well, his end of the deal? Not, well, it's tough to get a book, you know, to, to be disciplined enough to get all that on paper. Sure. And then you got to get editors. So there's more to it, you know, than he really wanted to commit to. But he was gracious to to help me quite a bit. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a little bit about the book part, too, because that's something that's on my horizon that I want to do. And I know yes. it's very difficult. Yes. So maybe just a couple of tips for other people to listen as well of getting it out of your head and into print. Like mm-hmm. the worst thing you do is try to sit down and write it straight across the board. You need to extrapolate the ideas, organize them. What kind of tools did you use or methods to kind of just get it out and then see where it goes? The first thing that I would encourage other people to do is learn from my mistakes 
because I did kind of just write it out. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. But I found out that what you need to do is think about the reader first, number one. You have to figure out how you're going to sell the book. The book has to sell. My first book, The Working Title, which I was in love with, it was like my own little infant. I didn't want to, I didn't think it was ugly, but it was. Uh, The first title of the book was Ugh, The Joys of Raising Boys, because I've raised five boys. But I tested the title before I went with it and tested like on a test market. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a chiropractor friend of mine who took the book into his practice for two weeks and just asked people their opinions. So anybody can do this. You don't have to hire anybody, but you have to test, test. Well, the results from the test from the mothers of girls, they didn't think they, they would relate to my stories. So I was cutting off half of my audience. I'm so glad that I didn't go with that ugh, the joys of raising boys. Right. I thought it was so cute and catchy. It is catchy. But again, if half the people might not read it. Well, because if I was writing my book for just a memoir, just for my own purposes to give to my children, that's different. Do what you want. But if you want to make money with the book, you have to treat it like a business. And you have to think about why are they going to buy it? Who's going to buy it? And how am I going to you know, strike a nerve with them or meet a need that they have or solve a pain problem, mm-hmm. pain point? So part of that is kind of them seeing themselves in your stories. Yes. Yes. And so you, you figured that out. So did you kind of write your first manuscript run through and then tested it out with the title and everything? And did much change in the text Nothing when you rewrote? Nothing changed in the text. Because when I tested it with Mothers of Girls, they said, we love this story. But we would have never picked it up because of the title. Gotcha. The text stayed the same. Gotcha. Yeah. And so if you were to write, or you have written the second book? I'm working on my second okay, book. Okay. So what, what did you change in the approach this time around? Well, again more research and thinking about selling the book. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole process to writing a book proposal. And if you just Google book proposal, you'll get the structure. And it's basically like a marketing plan. What other books are out there on the bookshelves right now mm-hmm. that are just like this book? How is my book the same? And how is my book different? Because you don't want your book to be like w- one of a kind. Right. Because there's proof of concept in other books being sold in that genre. So mm-hmm. I, I really took it seriously this time, and I, I did, like, the whole proposal. But you don't even need a book proposal. I, I am going to pitch mine to a publisher just to see. I don't know if I'll go with a publisher because I self-published the first book, and I found that that was the most profitable way to do it for me. Mm-hmm. So I may use a publisher if I get an offer, but on my first project, I was offered $50. That was my offer. That was it. I was looking at that $50. I'm like, I can't buy pizza for these boys for $50. Right. I can't do it. Well, there'd be no harm in actually setting up those pitch meetings just to hear some feedback right. on the book because there's no obligation for you to take whatever offer they put on the table if they do. Right. So you still might get the uh, the idea out there. I guess the fear for some would be that they're going to take your idea, but the, the people you're pitching it to no, aren't book they're, writers. They're the book publishers. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So let's let's – Bounce back to stand-up for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you're taking the stories from the books and putting them on stage. Were there some that landed pretty easily at the beginning? And were there some others that took forever, but now you've got them where they want? It, it, to be? it took forever because it was I was so outside of my comfort zone. I never imagined myself doing stand-up. I wasn't one of those who grew up following comedy. I did not. And, of course, when I had my kids – I wasn't going to clubs <laughs> right? and I had to work out my act. And so for four years, I went around Chicago doing open mics at comic book stores and some comedy clubs, um, 
libraries, you know, mm. pizza restaurants, you name it, wherever I could get stage time. Well, my uh, audience was not at the open mic night. They're not there. Right. It's nine o'clock on Wednesday night. They're <laughs> yeah. either in bed because the kids are in bed or they're sitting on the couch watching TV. So it was tough. And I don't know. So it just took me a while to get my act together. And then I wrote my one woman show. So I have Life Happens, Laugh Anyway. The name of my mm -hmm. book became Laugh Anyway Mom instead of Ugh, The Joys of Raising Boys. Gotcha. So Laugh Anyway Mom was way more marketable. And when I'm going to revise my book and put out a revised edition. I'm dropping the mom part. I'm just going to make it laugh anyway because, you know, it's sure. the market. Well, I mean, even fathers of sons. Absolutely. Who the fathers that do read out there, there's a couple. <laughs> yeah. Um, would, yeah. They'd see themselves in the stories too. Or, yeah, it, exactly. No, or non binary, gender, non gender specific, <laughs> yeah. frosty the snow person type folks. That's right. Might read it. <laughs> so that's Everybody likes to laugh. Yeah. So, now that you're doing the shows and you get your woman's show, yep. the other part of it is marketing that show and being able to get people to the show and booking the show. If it's, you know, if someone else is going to pay for it versus putting on your own show, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Did you have a marketing background prior to all this, prior to the kids, or did you study that a little bit in school along with your communications? Right. I got, I got a journalism and PR degree. Mm -hmm. And I didn't use it for quite a while, you know, because I didn't have any opportunity to use it, you know, changing dirty diapers and such. Right. <laughs> There's not, not right. much to write about there. But it was always there. So I know how to write a press release. And I know how to get that press release out to the local press. And mm -hmm. I'm telling you, because I, I, I've taught this at the Christian Comedy Association about writing your own press release. Especially today, there's such a lack of content for um, news sources, local news. If you're a local comedian anywhere, you're a superstar to your local newspaper, your local radio station, mm. your local TV station. Send them a press release. Just write a press release. It's one page, double-spaced. If you just Google, how do you write a press release? It'll tell you the right. format. Put it together and just send it every show. Every single show. I, I just did it because I'm going to be recording my comedy special on December 3rd. I sent to the Chicago uh, local stations and I sent to my suburban local stations. And um, or I'm not stations, but newspapers. And they all printed it. They print it word for word. You know why? They got to have something in there. They can't have white space. Right. So they will print it. And if you send them a picture, even better. And you caption the picture and you give credit to whoever took the picture. There you go. When you think about it, there's so many people that are blogging their content and stuff like that, and they're not being published in the papers necessarily, unless it might be syndicated, but the papers that are still out there need something. Well, and not only the physical paper, but every physical paper has an online paper. Yep. So when they put that, like, do you have a Google alert set up with your yep. name? Well, every comedian who's doing this as a business, they need to have a Google alert set up with their name in it. And my name will pop back to me when the press release hits. You know, because they don't let you know. No. In fact, mine was out for four days before I they knew. Don't. And I started getting emails from people. And I'm like, it yeah. seems like they read something about me, but I don't know. Yeah. And he's like, yep, it came out. And I've tried, like, the local, my town paper, I've built a relationship with the editor of the paper. He prints every single thing I ever, ever send him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all it takes is a little bit of elbow grease, get it yeah. down. Yeah. It's, it's not difficult. You have to know the format, though. There mm -hmm. is a format to it, and it'd be nice if you took the time to figure out the format of how to write a press release. But yeah. it's all there on the internet. Ho, 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 hold on there a second. 
Did you know the School of Laughs offers coaching calls? And by School of Laughs, I mean myself, Rick Roberts. Hey, I've been doing comedy for over 31 years, 30 of that professionally. I don't know it all by any means, but I can share what I've learned with you during a coaching call. Maybe you have questions about comedy in general, how you get to the next level. Maybe you've got jokes that work sometimes, but not all the times, and you want to crack that code. Perhaps you just want to create material together and have a writing partner. All these things can be done on our Zoom coaching call, and they're a lot of fun. To learn more about pricing, availability, and how to schedule your Zoom call, go to schooloflast.com. On the homepage, you'll see an icon for coaching. Click that, learn more, and I'll talk to you soon. Now back to this episode. You know, and the other thing you need to think about if you're going to write a press release is you have to think, how can I make this timely and relevant? So, so for my comedy special, I made it after 18 months of being sidelined, local comedian Tracy DeGraff is filming, picking up where she left off and filming a comedy special. Perfect. So you're making it local. You're making it timely and relevant. That's what the news editors are looking for. So think about that. And you you can do it. I just encourage people to do it because it's worth it. And then it's there for time and eternity. So then when people look you up, they're like, oh, it's been in the paper. Sure. And yeah, you can you can put quotes in it and then take the quotes from the article and put it on your website. You can yeah. whatever, however you want to be um, marketed or, or known for. Uh, okay, so I write the article, and I write it as if I was interviewed by myself. Right, right. <laughs> so I ask you, myself, so self, <laughs> how is this going to work? And then I do a quote, da-da-da, said DeGraff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's a little tip. You have to say the last name. Don't say said Tracy. Mm-hmm. You would say said Roberts or Robert said. Got that's it. one thing. Love it. <laughs> um, and so you're putting together your special. You've got a crew coming in to record it, video special. You've uh, marketed and sold the tickets already yep. a few weeks in advance. But when we're here today, we're talking about reverse engineering your show. Right. So what, starting with the end in mind and how do we get there and setting some deadlines and benchmarks so you right. know you're making progress. Tell this, us about This is the magic formula because I also have a background in advertising. So I did, I owned my own business and I sold local advertising. And I painfully saw local businesses who did everything else except reserve funds for advertising. And if you build it, they will come. doesn't work with any kind of a business. That's a whole movie, but it doesn't work out on the real street. Right. So my, what I have done for years and did just for the show, and I'm sold out. I First of all, I reverse engineer it. So you figure out how many seats do you have. That's number one, because you're limited with how many seats you have. How much is it going to cost you to do the event? What does the venue cost? What does advertising cost? You know, how much revenue are you going to get in from those seats and how much are you going to spend? So then you have your advertising budget. Mm -hmm. Usually it's like 10 to 15% of your total. So if you have $1,000 that you're bringing in, you're going to take 10% of that. That's going to be your advertising budget, whatever. And um, then you start advertising. But you, if you just kind of think, if I build it, they will come, it's, it's not going to work out for you. Yeah. And I guess another part of that, too, is knowing why you're recording it in the first place. I'm thinking, too. So you got a video project. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you can take the audio and send it anywhere. What are your goals with the video besides just marketing shows? Is there a goal to sell it as a, here's a special, you pay five bucks and download it from Prime? Or? Maybe. If, you know, if, uh, if that opportunity comes, it's the video portion of my career right now is the biggest weakness that I have. I filmed my own video or comedy special like eight years ago. 
And then I, I, in between that time, I had breast cancer and I let my hair grow gray. And so I look like a completely different person than I do on YouTube. And so I need fresh and you need, you need fresh video anyway, if you're going to be a serious entertainer. So I really, I just have to have it. Yeah. And that's true. Like, I mean, I just think about how the CDs that I'm giving away now, because nobody has a CD (laughs) player. At least once, yeah. once a show afterwards, somebody will go, you had hair back then. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, forget about it. That's a, I've got some new stuff too. Look at this CD. It's, I've got no hair torture. on that. It's torture. It's torture. It's brutal. But yeah, having fresh clips. Um, yeah. Well, that's the, the hardest thing for all comics. I mean, yeah. when I was trying to record just pieces in comedy clubs, most clubs wouldn't let you record Friday or Saturday because they want to sell every seat. So you can't put up your tripod somewhere. It's a little easier now with a phone. You can get some pretty decent iPhone video, but getting a good audience on a Wednesday or Thursday when they were giving away tickets right. or a Sunday where they were, they were attentive and they were nice, but they weren't, didn't have the energy to push you over the edge in your clips. Yeah. So hard. So you went kind of shopping for a video team to record this. What was your process? How did you, did you find other comedians that had, had things recorded or just other, I mean, what was your search well, when plan? I fr- when I first did my first special, I, I um I reverse engineered the whole thing. I had the venue and I knew how many seats were in the venue. So there were 300 seats. So this will this will go I'll get to that question in a second, sure. but this will go back to marketing, right? So if I had 300 seats in the venue and I could sell every seat, you know, for $10 or this, you know, at that time I think it was $10 that I sold them for, I would have $3,000 as a budget. So I hired a wedding videographer. He brought three cameras and he shifted shifted around a little bit Mm -hmm. and I still had to fill the seats. I had to fill all 300 seats. I wanted a full house. Um, So I went to the local community and I got businesses to partner with me and I put together a gold, silver and a bronze package for for the gold package. It was $750 and you would have blah, 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 blah. And the silver package was 500 and the, um, the bronze package was like 250. I thought everybody was going to buy the bronze packages. And they were limited. I only had like, uh, I had 10 bronze, I had five silver, and I had three gold. Because I, I had a budget and I knew what I was going to do. Anyway, the businesses, they sold out on the gold packages first. It's so weird how we put a value on something. Yeah. And I was thinking, they're going to want the cheap one, you know, but that wasn't the way it was. And because I did that for that particular taping, I was able to buy radio ads. And I filled I filled the room with 300 people for that event, which was a big accomplishment for me at that time. For this one, for for this new comedy special that I'm doing, it's a much smaller venue. It's 165 seats that I could sell, and I just reverse engineered it again. How much am I selling the seats for? How much money have I had for marketing? And I printed up flyers. I did social media. I did email marketing, which is another big one for all comics. Everybody should have an email list. It's really important, especially the way social media moves you around. Right when you think you've got it figured out, they shift. And now you have zero looks at whatever. So you have to get the email thing going. For years and years, I collected email addresses. I didn't do anything with them. I didn't know what to do with them. Mm. Now I, I email them once a week with my podcast. So they get... You know, that's it's an automated system. Right. Every time I put up my show notes, they go out by email to my email subscribers. So that's good. And with the emails, too, I know it's a lot to absorb when you're first just trying to get your comedy legs under you. But marketing-wise, if you, if you only had to start with one thing, I'd start with email because it's something you can build. And you should have something that you give away for free in exchange for the email 
Um, yeah, a lead magnet of some sort. Right. And it can be something simple, you know, just some exclusive audio content or some exclusive video content. Or in my case, I give out an ebook. Mm-hmm. Ebook, you can put it together an ebook over a weekend on Canva for free. Right. Canva.com. It's just a free like graphic design program online. Put it to, They have examples there. You just fill in your content. And, and that's what I use. Yeah. And that's a good point because a lot of people – because I push email all the time, email yeah. list. In fact, in between shows, I'm in there plugging them into the – I've got two different ways that I, I get the addresses. But people are like, how am I going to get them to sign up? And it is give, give away something for free. Yeah. And you're like, what do I get? You know, I give away CDs in the front of the house, yeah. and I make a joke out of it that nobody has a CD player, but my <laughs> wife needs this out of the garage to so take them. But each month, now that things are back up, the average month, I'm adding about 300 email addresses to my e-list. That's important. And the thing you can also do with those emails – I don't know how much it's changed. It's been about six months since I've done this, so Facebook may have completely changed. But you can drop all those emails into a Facebook marketing, targeted marketing ad campaign. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, so if they signed up for Facebook with the same email that you have, okay, you can drop an ad in front of them on the sidebars where I pick it cool. when they go on when they log on. So they already know you. They saw you at a show in the past, right? Whatever. And so if you got a show coming up in the area, you can. I mean, I segmented by state. And I, I keep tabs on what kind of gig it was. So if it was a church event and I'm doing a Christian TV show coming up, you know, or I'm appearing on Huckabee or whatever, all those people will get a little ad that pops up in their Facebook group. And I'll send out an email list yeah. too, but they're going to get hit by, by it twice. Yeah. And so it should resonate. So there's a lot of things you can do with those email addresses. I did not know that. And, but see, that's social media. They, they want you to pay if, you're, if they're going to put you in front of somebody. Yeah. So you got to figure that out. Well, I, this week for this show – I put out three videos and Facebook blocked two of them. Wow. The only one that they released or allowed to be published, they only showed it to, it was less than 80 people. <laughs> and the other ones that I spent more time on, they just completely blocked them. Yeah. And like I could not get a reason. It just would, it would upload. It would say, you'll, you know, you'll be notified when it uploads and it says this has been blocked. Yeah. And so you, you don't have any control of the social media. I right. Mean, you've got possibilities there, but, Again, they can change the rules and or disappear. Yeah, so that's why it's important to focus on email. So if, if uh, somebody's listening and they're just starting out like with a targeted marketing plan, I think email would be number one and maybe on a side thing doing the press release. Which service do you use? I use MailChimp. I do too. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's both be – let's tell them how good MailChimp is. I love MailChimp. I do love MailChimp because it's pretty easy. It's easy and it your plan grows with your subscriber yep. list. So. There's a free version. That's right. And until you have 350 or 500, whatever it is, you don't have to pay anything. So you can learn the system. Yeah. You can segment things. You can hit a button. And after two weeks, if anybody hasn't opened it up, it'll resend it to them. If you're adding people today and you just sent out a newsletter yesterday, you can only send it to people who have been added since yesterday. There's a million different things you can do with it. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is you can tell who opened your email and how many times. Yeah. So here's a, a little tip for all the comics that are sending avails out. Um, I still send avails out twice a month or if there's a big change in my schedule to about 64 different comedy bookers, event bookers. And so I can see who's opening those emails. Mm -hmm. And if I see somebody's open it two or three times, I'll shoot them a personal email and go, Hey, I'm just curious if there's anything that, you know, any shows that you're thinking of for me Mm -hmm. and not every time, but plenty of times I go, I was just thinking about you. You (laughs) sit this thing out and I I open it three times. I'm like, I didn't want to say, I know, but but right. I could tell that there was interest there, so I followed up with that. Okay, so that's the perfect example of how marketing works. 
And that's because people have how many messages coming through their desk and coming through their email and coming through their phone and they don't have the, the consciousness to think about everything that they've been sent over the last week or two. So that's why we have to just keep on putting it out there, keep putting it out there. Yeah, and it, along with email too, so a little marketing thing that you want to think about is you, never, you don't know exactly when somebody's thinking about planning their event. You know, for, right. for me, I'm in the corporate world a lot, so I might be using terms that other people don't use, but I know event planners, there's two kinds. One, as soon as the event is over this year, they start to get it planned next year, especially if it's a big event yeah. and they want to have good talent or whatever, make sure they get those people ahead of time. And then there's people at, about three months out, they're like, okay, the event's going to happen. We've got to start planning it. But if, if you don't know those specific times, you have to kind of keep yourself front of face, right. front of mind for, for those people. So sending them something that they see all the time, whether it's a little calendar, right. a mouse pad, a pen, a funny picture, a picture you took with them at the last event you did that they hang up. Yeah. Um, I send that little Barney Fife postcards twice a year with you know different things on it, and people say all the time, I've got that hanging up in, in my cubicle. Every time I'm ready for a gig, I just look over there and I call you up. I'm going to tell you the best uh, marketing item to send. So this is the cheapest one and the best one that people keep forever is a nail file. That's the best one. It's very inexpensive, and women especially will never throw away a nail file until it's done. You know, so a woman might keep that nail file in with her manicure stuff for 10 years. So it, it, you can get them for maybe a quarter or 50 cents for a nice nail file and get your website put on it. And you can send a little letter with it that says, keep me on file when you need a comedian for blah, blah, blah. Perfect. Yeah. And I I led into that because I think I heard the event planner for this event mention that when we jumped on her Zoom call the other day. Okay. I think she was just saying something to you. Yeah, like, every time I pull that out, I think file. about you. That's right. Because um, when I got connected with Katrina, who booked us for this, it was my manager and my agent who knew her. And they knew that they did a radio station. And so I sent that. They were putting my material on their radio station with my permission and blessing, of course. But I sent them a little thank you card, and I enclosed the nail file in there. And I learned that little trick from my dad from years ago. He used to sell specialty advertising. And I used to be in a business actually selling lingerie. I used to sell lingerie all these years ago. Well, this woman put my nail file in her manicure kit. And she moved from Illinois to, to California and was looking for me to reorder something. And this was years later. And she pulled out that nail file and called me. I'm like, see, wow, my dad knew, did know what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Well, we've yeah. got another show to do. So I, yes, I want to make do. sure that we wrap up here. Okay. I think. Everybody listening should have picked up a couple of ideas. I, I did so. as well, sitting yes, across yes. from me. So um, it's always a learning experience on the podcast. Yeah. So thanks, Tracy, for joining us. And if people want to get a hold of you to book you or pick your brain or whatever or, or buy this thing when it comes out, yeah. they, or if they just want to join your email list, how can they find you? They can find me at my website at tracydegraff.com. It's, um, and also you can find my podcast on there. My life happens laugh anyway, podcast. So that's, much fun. That's right. And listen to the thrift store and dumpster diving episode. <laughs> that's a good one. That was the one that I listened to that I really like. So yeah, I'll definitely put that out. Thanks for All helping right. us out. Thank you, Rick. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Tracy DeGraff. Very insightful. I learned some things as I always do. And that's why I keep this podcast going. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do that through Patreon. That's right. Go to schooloflaughs.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N and sponsor an episode. This episode was sponsored by Max Winfrey. Thanks, Max.
listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.